This is Digitized Transmission Radio. This week our guest is Kingy. He came round the other week. We had a Chinese, a few beers and a bit of a mix ourselves actually. Um, he's a DJ from Burnley and he grew up in Burnley and Padium and the surrounding areas. We kind of actually talked quite deeply, I'd say, about the poverty of them towns and kind of the romance of them, I guess. Um, we delved into Ant's, uh, Anthony's stage anxiety and kind of why he doesn't enjoy any of his gigs and how he's slowly overcoming that now. Um, so yeah, he's a really good friend. You're going to hear an amazing mix by him. Uh, check it out and stay tuned. Mr. Kingy, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for coming. So you grew up in Burnley, now yep. living in Paddyham. Yeah. How's that been for you? Yeah, yeah. I've lived in Paddyham for, uh, I don't know, I've lived on and off for probably longer than I lived in Burnley for. But it's, if Paddyham's the same thing as Burnley, I don't think of it as different. It's just like, it's next door. I, I I do think Burnley gets somewhat of a bad rep. I, it's not great at times, but I don't know that there is a sense of community around it now and that's growing and that there's more music things popping up than bloody what Blackburn has going. Yeah, um, Blackburn's got nothing. They don't even have nightclubs or anything, really. It's mad, isn't Burnley's it? Burnley's always been a better town, but it's it's declined. Um even when, like, when I was like 18 and started going out in Burnley, it had like massive venues. Do you know, like it had Lava Ignite, which were huge, huge venue. And it used to be like a carnival yeah. in Burnley on a Friday and Saturday night. It was like Manchester is now. Yeah. Where there's just people everywhere, all ages, every nightclub were packed. And uh, it just slowly kind of like faded off, faded off. And now it's starting to come back, but a lot of the venues are really tiny. They're like macro venues. Yeah. And they're all the ones that are doing really well now. I, th- I think just like the big venues, there's just so much cost on top of them that yeah, it's just so hard to keep them open, which is a big shame. And especially for like towns like Blackburn, Burnley, and I don't know, poor Northern towns is how I describe it to Wendy when she asks. And it's like there's, there's such culture potentially available, but... Just been decimated, and it's it's really bad to see. To be honest, and I think one one thing that happens uh, if you're on a night out and you're in somewhere like Burnley or wherever, so you you'll be in a group of people, and then you'll walk to somewhere, and you'll be looking for a window, and you'll be like, "There's nobody in there, so we're not going in." Yeah, and then you walk past somewhere else, and there's some people in there, so that's where you go. Yeah, so I think that's why the smaller venues um, are doing better because they seem busy. If there's four or five people in there, it seems busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing that's popping up at the minute is open deck nights everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like even in Cone, in Burnley, a lot of the bars are starting to do like a midweek open deck night for DJs. And uh, they're some of the best nights to DJ at. Just do an half an hour set. Yeah. Everyone in there is probably a DJ or just there to listen to music or... It, and it could be the most fun even if you're playing in front of like 10 people in a little back room of a pub yeah. and everyone's just going mental on a Wednesday. It can, <laughs> It's as fun as playing in front of like, you know, a big crowd of people. It's the same. It's just the energy, you know, good energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the most important thing. Played in Burnley a couple of times and I, I think that is one of the things that I've always picked up on. I, I think I've warmed up a couple of times 
and it's always good energy from the start. Like I don't know, I I don't know what it is about Burnley surrounding areas. People just genuinely seem a little bit more up for it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. There's been some really good nights on in Burnley as well. All different genres going going back quite a long time. I've played it. So the the first one that we started going to really in common was called Subversion. And that were all drum and bass. Yeah. That were right at the top of Cone in, um, I think it was called Zubar. And they were like proper special nights. What a name. What a name, Zubar. Oh, it was horrible. That that just screams, Naughty's Cool Bar. <laughs> it were, it were, it were like, it weren't, it were the only people that I want to go there. You're going there because you're listening to drum and bass music. Yeah. Like anybody who didn't want to listen to drum and bass music wouldn't go there. My one of my big gripes with Manchester now is I never know where consistently plays drum and bass. Yeah, I could tell you this is a good venue; they have good nights on. I'd I'd never be confident telling you what the genre is going to be on that night. Yeah, I wouldn't say that 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 place probably played Rihanna and stuff like that or Cha Cha Slide on some weekends, but the, the subversion nights were like pretty monumental yeah they were always busy and it was like good music good djs um that was like that was probably one of the first nights that i started going to and following if you will yeah, yeah, yeah in burnley and uh, uh, like there's a lot of good djs come out of that and then there was stomp which were it weren't just drum and bass it was more like electronical music so they play all sorts of different genres and people would be playing on all sorts of different stuff as well. It weren't just because Subversion were just vinyl, yeah, just vinyl and just uh, drum and bass. But then Stomp were like electronic music, all spectrum. So they'd usually start off with some like dubstep, and then it'd go into some electro, and then it'd go into some glitch up, and then it'd be like break beats, and and people would be playing on. There. I remember this guy Frog Grapes used to have this. Uh, it was just like a little square with like Street Fighter buttons on it. Yeah. And it had loads of buttons on it. <laughs> I don't even know what it was doing, but it was cool. It sounded good. <laughs> it was just pressing all these little buttons and yeah, stuff like that. And then eventually, um, Denzel, who, who it was, he was one of the main ones in it, he started teaching me how to DJ. Okay. So I bought the same controller that he had. He had a mix track too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought one. And then I've been talking to him while I'm waiting for it to come and stuff. And he's like, yeah, yeah, come to my house. I'll show you what to do and stuff. And I got it and I tried to set it up and I couldn't even get it to work on my laptop. I was getting right <laughs> frustrated with it. And then he like come round and then he started showing me how to do it. Cause I, I didn't even really know what a DJ did. Yeah. I didn't know if they just like med music or something while they were, I don't know. I just watched it and then thought, oh, that sounds mint. But I didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. So he like used to, I used to go around to his house and he used to like show me how to mix and show me all little effects and get my laptop set up and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and then I, and then I started playing at their nights as well. The stomp nights. We did some like free parties. I think the first one we did like 300 people come. Jesus Christ. And the police come <laughs> and like, it was just carnage. <laughs> They were fun, fun nights though. You know, that's that's how I started DJing before playing in a nightclub or in front of people, like at a house party or a free party. Uh, 
Uh, okay, okay. So you started on the little mix track, and then I think moved to vinyl. Did you or I got the mix track, then I got two Stanton belt drive turntables. Oh yeah, and then I got a Newmark three channel mixer. So then I started mixing, and then you've only got two or three records, so that's all you can mix with. But then I had the mix track and this free channel mixer, so what I could do, I could mix the vinyl with the digital songs. So that's how I learned how to uh, beat match. I think that is actually a really good way of learning to DJ as well. Yeah. Because like, I've always been digital and like, yeah, never been exposed to the wonders of vinyl mixing. Yeah. Um, maybe tried once or twice here and there, but yeah, that sounds an unusual. I just thought it looked cool. In Burnley, we've got DJ Woody, who's oh, like yeah. a world champion. Hip-hop, scratch, yeah, scratch DJ. scratch DJ. He's won like, loads of awards and stuff, and he's from Burnley. And I was always into skateboarding. So at the skate park, they'd have events, and then they'd have DJs and stuff sometimes. And I remember the first time I watched DJ Woody at the skate park. And that was the first time that DJing were like, presented as a thing. Because yeah. before that, you just you just someone playing music at Connor at Ruben. You're not really bothered what they're doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this was everybody's watching him, kind of thing, and he's doing all this scratching. And I don't understand what he's doing or anything, but I'm like, wow, <laughs> you know, this is crazy. <laughs> this is like underground, and like you know, just it like blew my mind to be honest with you. Yeah, and uh, that's how we, we started to like get into this kind of hip hop kind of thing you know listening to dj shadow and and you know like organ donor and stuff like yeah, that yeah. listening to all that all because the dj woody kind of but then like we, there was some really good graffiti and stuff in burnley at time as well so it, it well like the little hip-hop thing well no one were break dancing but well there were there is people from burnley that are good break dancers but no no one in my mates were we were like skateboarding graffiti and then I wouldn't just say it was hip hop, it was music, but we all had an interest in music. Yeah, yeah. And everybody, I think that's even video games, Tony Hawk. Like, did you, did you play on Tony Hawk? I did used to play a little bit of Tony Hawk. Yeah, and never the been soundtracks the to them games were yeah, like yeah, the yeah. best. And same way at Grand Theft Auto, I don't know if you played that or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Grand Theft Auto they were like different eras. So, like, they had Vice City, which were 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then, then you learn about loads of 80s music. I was like 13 or something. I don't know. <laughs> but you're listening to like all these 80s music. You're like, oh, I like all this shit. This is good. And then, so I think that video games had a lot of influence on music as well at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then pr- presumably that's what you started DJing with. And Well, yeah. I, I can, as far back as I can remember, when before DJing, I'd be like at a party. And I were always the person with the ox lead. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, that's me. It's, it's weird how you fall into that, to being that person before understanding what being a DJ is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it like, you know, it almost shapes you to a degree. And then suddenly you're given that little bit that enables you to be that person you've kind of always wanted to be. It's, it's nice when people like yourself kind of find themselves in that way. And it's like, I am a DJ. I do like making people dance and Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the I, power of creativity. It's nice to it's nice to uh if you're DJing, you could just force your music on other people. 
<laughs> when you're at a party with an aux lead, sometimes someone will be stood next to you like, yeah, can I put this song on next? Can I put this on a next? But if you're a DJ and you don't take requests, you're just like, no, because I'm DJing for this hour now. <laughs> and you have to listen to what I'm playing. It's, <laughs> so it sounds a little bit like you like the power of it as well. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. Because uh, on, my, on my list to talk to you about as well, actually, is you used to be a doorman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, there's a power theme uh, coming across it. Kingy likes being in charge no, and being able to not. say no to people. No, I wouldn't <laughs> say that. I've actually, from being 18, done every job that you can do in a nightclub. So I started off being a glass collector. Yeah. I went on to working on the door. Yeah. And then I went on to the bar. And then I was the bar manager. And then I started working on the door and doing security. And then from doing security, I started DJing in my own time. And then I started DJing as well. So at one point, I was DJing out every weekend. And any weekend that I weren't DJing, I'd be working security. So I've always kind of been around nightlife. Been in the nightclub scene. Yeah. If you will. Yeah. But, that means you must have seen some states in Burnley. Because people from Burnley go extra hard. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I must admit, there, there was a, a look of like horror on your face then as you like troll through memories. <laughs> oh, yeah. Horror of PTSD. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's sad. Uh, sorry, sorry to bring back the bad memories, Kingy. No, I, I didn't mean to. It's fine they, because they can't hurt you now. <laughs> <laughs> so we've we've touched on you being a bit of a multi-genre DJ and kind of appreciating all forms of music. One of your latest projects, which I've always found really really cool, is Funklet. Yeah, and I'll yeah. let you tell people what Funklet is. Okay, so when we were in lockdown, one of my friends, Jonathan Towers who's like an amazing musician, bassist. But every day, we used to FaceTime each other and we'd have like a, an hour workout while we were like locked in his houses. So we'd have this workout and then we started chatting about something we could do musically because obviously he, he's a full-time musician and he has nothing, nothing to do at the minute. There's no bars open, no venues, anything. So... He started, we decided we were going to do this thing where he plays the bass guitar and then I DJ. And then we thought, oh, this is a great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then we realized that the bass in us in the bass guitar clashes with all the bass in the songs. Yeah. So it doesn't sound good at all. No, no, no. Them low frequencies, they, they really, yeah. really do not blend well that's why people do it with a saxophone or with a guitar or something you know like yeah. higher up the frequency range correct yeah but we chose like the hardest one i mean <laughs> you don't want an easy life out of it do you so while we were um while we were working out how it's gonna how we're gonna do it and we realized that all these frequencies are clashing and stuff we decided that we were gonna have to take out the bass guitar from tracks and this was before stems, like, well, I, I think I think Tractor had some kind of stems, but it weren't what we wanted to do with it. Um, so you could buy like official stem versions, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that never got off yeah, the ground it didn't at take all. Off. And it, now 
that Serato's got stems. Yeah. Like, it seems, but you could do it with any track. So I think that's the difference. And you could do it live. But they did have it before, didn't they? Track two were definitely first for stems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They tried to do it as like a whole format thing. And then, yeah. unsurprisingly, no record label wanted the hassle of putting it out in that format for. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so basically, we decided, right, so we're going to have to take all of the bottom end out of a song. We're, I'm not a producer, and neither is Towers. So we were just kind of like winging it. And, and we decided we, if we put a low-end filter on all the tracks that we wanted to play, so we put this filter on and took all the bottom end out. And then we had to, because it took the bass guitar out, but it also took the drums out. So then we had to learn how to make the drum beats again. <laughs> so then I've got all these weird tracks on my laptop. And if you listen to them without what we're doing, it doesn't sound good. No. Because it's just like the song and it's missing something. But that's the only way we could do it. Yeah. yeah and it's yeah. not, it's, you know what I mean? It's not, there's proper producers who, who would be like, oh yeah, it's not good how you're doing it. It's how we did it. It's like a little DIY way that we managed to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got all these tracks and we, we did this this little trickery and made them the way we are. Then what I do is I get my phone set up and I record the mix of me DJing these songs and then I'd send it to him and then he'd record him playing bass guitar through the whole thing, which is what he's doing is like 10 times better than what I'm doing. Cause I'm just like playing songs and just doodling about and he's doing like some serious musical genius stuff over it with his bass. Um, and that's what we started doing during lockdown and we started putting it out as Funklet. Uh, but now we recently did one and now with stems, it's just so much easier. Yeah. yeah you yeah. can just say, yeah, I don't I want this song, but I don't want any bass guitar in it. Press a button and then it just sends it you back with nothing. And it's revolutionized yeah, yeah. that little project for you, which oh. I'm glad for, because I think I saw you guys at Todmorden. I didn't, I wasn't personally there, but you know, saw all the clips on socials and it, it, it looked to be going down so well. Cause like everyone loves a really good bass player. And then, I, yeah, I, I really think you're onto something. It is a fantastic idea. The, the first time, we, so, we, so when we started it, we were just doing it in lockdown. So there were videos that I was recording my bit of my house, he was doing his bit of his house, and we never was together doing it. Yeah. But then this year, his band have brought a second album out, Design Rewind. Um, they're like... <sighs> This, this is a really, really good band from Burnley. Uh, and all, they were my like, best mates. And when they brought the second album out, they said, do you want to play it as album launch party? Because I played at the first album launch party. Um, so I said, yeah. And then he said, do you want to do a fun clip? And this was the first time we've ever done it together. We've never <laughs> played it in front of people. Yeah. Um, so we got the, got the little set ready and everything. We, we, I don't even think we practiced. I actually don't even think we played with each other before it. And then we, during the gig, when we started playing Funklet, everyone was just dancing and going mental and it was like the best feeling ever. Yeah. And then the, uh, the saxophone guy from their band come over and he just started riffing saxophone on top of it. 
and we had like all these people dancing and it was just the most fun ever. Do you know that? It, 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 it genuinely worked. looked so good. And I think you've got some videos online of that, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we've got three volumes of it. Uh, the three ones that we've kind of done in his own houses together. And then there's a couple of clips from them we've been playing out together as well. I will be sure to put that in the description of where people are listening to this. So uh, do check it out. It is really cool. I don't know if you've listened to the podcast before. I think you have. I have. So you may know one of the next questions come in. Um, WBBL put out a really poignant post on social media about how we all kind of just pretend that everything is always fine and we're always having an amazing gig. And in reality, we don't always have an amazing gig for a variety of reasons. Um, so I am making a point to ask everyone, what has your worst gig been? Like nearly every single one. <laughs> nearly every single one I've ever done. I've, I've got the worst anxiety ever. So when... We, I don't like being up in front of people. I like the idea of it. I, I'm at home and I practice DJing and I listen to songs and I, and when I'm finding songs, I think, oh, this will be mint playing this in front of people. I can't wait to do this. Yeah. And then I get another song and I think, oh, that mix was really good. I can't wait to play this in front of people. And then when you go to a gig and then people are watching you, I hate it. And, I, <laughs> and, I, and especially when I first started, I used to go to a gig and I'd just stare at the decks like, and I wouldn't even look up. And all I'd be thinking is, oh my God, oh my God, if I do something wrong or anything, everything's going to stop. And I don't know why I just had this horrible feeling like, I, like I don't know, so, so the world were going to end if I like messed a mix up or anything. So I didn't enjoy it at all. So every single gig that I've ever done has been terrible. <laughs> <laughs> basically I, I mean i disagree with that i've i've seen you dj a number of times and i can categorically say you have not had horrendous gigs they may be horrendous with your anxiety and i it's fully internal appreciate that. It's, it's internal horrendous yeah, yeah, okay yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So some people are extroverts I, I i can be at times with people that i know yeah and whatever when you're in a like familiar group of people and they're all your friends and then you you like let your guard down. But when you're studying for a lot of people, you might not know everybody, and there's like too much going on, and I just don't enjoy it sometimes. But and then and then towards the end, sometimes it'll be the last two songs that you play, and I'm like, oh my god, this is so much fun. And then and then you finish, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then yeah. you think, oh god, I used to always think I wish I could just enjoy it a little bit quicker from yeah. the start, and that was something that I had to learn that. Um, you know, learn to start like looking and watching people and 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 you can get a better uh, judgment of what to play next or anything from when you start to watch the crowd and read them and think, oh, I just played this song, but that seemed to have dropped the energy a little bit. Yeah. And then you start to think, right, what can I play next? What can I play next? And then you're more engaged with what they're doing and you're, you're all in the same like thought process you're all thinking together in a way really you're trying to control it but you're thinking about what they're thinking about and not just in your own head thinking oh I'm just nervous or whatever and i think the the other one for me for kind of getting over nerves um is you, I, in a way you've, you've almost got to take away the power from people to make 
to let them make you feel nervous. So, you know, you, you can go into this thought process of, oh, they're all looking at me. But I guarantee you, 90% of the time, if you look back at them, wave at them, give them a little dance, stick your tongue out, do whatever, they start to feel nervous that, oh my God, all the, everyone's looking at me. And like, you can, you can switch this little dynamic and you can start kind of, I don't know, psyching people out. But in giving them that little bit of attention and like breaking the tension almost, they they come to you a lot quicker. Yeah, definitely. If, I think you could tell. I, I can tell when I watch like uh, someone who's just started DJing or whatever, and they're nervous and they're doing it. I can I can feel what they're feeling. Do you know, like yeah. I suppose people pick up on that as well because there's some there's some aspect of what you're doing that has to be as a showman because yeah, you yeah, are yeah. present. You're not the DJ that's supposed to be in the corner playing songs that no one's looking at. If you're playing this type of music, like bass music, anything. Then people are going there. They want to listen to music, but they want to have like be entertained as well. People are genuinely searching for a connection as well, and it, it doesn't necessarily matter what that connection is. But like you know, the DJ who's just looking at his equipment compared to the DJ making eye contact with you, even doing a silly wave to you, pointing at you, it engages people so much quicker, and they they just get on board with you. Yeah. So we've talked about. All of your bad gigs, but I don't think they are. But I, I do get it. Anxiety is crushing, and I don't know. Would you have any advice for anyone who has like stage anxiety or anything like that? You can't just stare at your equipment and be concentrating on every little move that you're doing. Mm. Sometimes you're gonna mess a mix up. You're gonna whatever <laughs> you know. What I mean, you you've got to be watching the crowd and and be a be an entertainer even if you don't feel like it inside you've got to yep. show it even if it's like a you've got to show a fake sense of confidence sometimes uh, and fake it till you make it yeah absolutely and i will add i just think it should be talked about that bit more tell your friends that you're feeling nervous ask them to you know go 110 percent for the start of your set no shame in it like they're they're, they're there to see you and make your gig better Use it to your advantage and, you know, One, one thing about that it. I used to do that I always think were a bad thing is that I always used to see my sets as, and I used to pre-plan my sets, so I'd have it a rigid set list, which 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 now I know that. I, I tend to put music into folders now. So I'll have, like, a group of music that's a kind of energy and then another folder with a group of music that's a different energy and then I've got all these different options that I can go into and I don't have to be stuck to one thing. So when I started, I used to think my set has to build. So I'd have a song that I think this is the best song that I've got. Nothing's better than this. So I'm going to play this at the end and then I build up to that. So sometimes there might be a DJ who's playing before you and they're playing absolute bangers and you're thinking, I'm about to go on and play this completely chilled song yeah. because that's what my set list is and it's not going to work and everyone's going to walk off and start booing and they're going to throw bottles at me. And I don't think that ever helped either. So I think the way that you plan your set and that you have your music set up for you before you get there, all the preparation, if you've got it in a way where you've got options and you can move around and you can think, right, I need to come in strong because whoever's just played before me just absolutely rinsed it. Yeah. You can come in strong and your set can take dips. You can come in strong for a few tunes and you can dip down a little bit and you can come back up again. But you've got to give yourself room to move around as well in your set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And I think that when, the more prepared you are for a set, the more the the more that'll ease anxiety and things like that as well. If you know that you've got a lot of options. Yeah, definitely. And don't get horrendously drunk before you set. You mm. might think it's helping, but just don't do it. Don't do it. We talked worst gig. Yeah. Let's talk best gig. Yeah. What would you say has been your best gig? It's not, I'm not just saying this because it was you, but the last gig that I, the last really good gig that I did was the Digitars gig. Yeah. When I was supposed to be going on like in the middle and then you were like, no, I want to go on now. You're going on last. And I was like, but I don't play last. <laughs> no. Uh, I've got a lot of tunes that I like for an earlier set. And then you're like, yeah, it's my night. I'm going on now. And then I'm just going to caveat this. I don't remember it in this way. And I think I asked you where you wanted to play. And you said at the start, and I said, no, you need to come and rinse it for us. I want a kingy rinse out set. If you really want to play at the start, you can play at the start, but we need a kingy rinse out set. So I don't think I was that much of a diva that I changed the running times on the night. Because I think it was deck DJing. I think... I think it was Man with the Fish, and I think that's when we had the digitized rail replacement. Service. No, it was a week before the the, it the, was month the one before. before. All right, the one okay. before definitely. The old and I'm sure one. that you DJ before me, which is a horrendous spot to be in because you were doing like triple drops and Mister Happy and everything, <laughs> and people were going mental. And then I was just like, "Oh no, I have to go on now." And I don't know what to play. And then I just completely improvised my whole set. Like, I obviously use things from other bits that I know. That's like the preparation side of it. I won't just type in songs and play them. <laughs> into YouTube and hoping yeah, for the yeah, best, yeah, trying yeah. to skip the advert. <laughs> but I were going into, like, mixes that I've done before or uh, playlists that I've got set together and I'll find in bits of them through the whole set. And and uh, I just feel like I it had been a while since I'd done it, and um, I would I just felt like I, I like I was watching everybody, and I was seeing the energy, and I, and there were a couple of little bits where I thought like I tricked people. Like when I started, I played a, a song that was quite slow, and then people were like, yeah, this is all right. But then I, then I mixed in the same song, but that has a lot heavier drop, and then I think at that point when it dropped and everyone was just like loving it I was like oh yes yes and then I started enjoying it so I, I did get to enjoy it early and I just enjoyed the whole set through it and then when I finished I was like like tingling that's amazing mate you know, yeah. I'm glad, well yeah that is precisely what I've always wanted digitized to be for people to be a platform <clears throat> for my friends to be creative and you know fucking do what they want um, because it's, it's also a type of music that you can play as well. Yeah. Because, for example, some of the gigs that I get now are like with the band. So people are going out to watch a band, and I can't just start playing drum and bass music through that night because yeah, there's people there that are like don't like bass music at all. It can be like Marmite music, yeah, really, yeah, can't yeah. it? It's not. So I'll tend to play like the funky disco, housey stuff, and everybody kind of likes that. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. offensive, but if you start playing like the dirtiest drop, 
it's, it can be quite offensive to some people and they will just stomp out. And I think this is, as well, I'm going to pat myself on the back. This is why I wanted you to have a gig where, because I'm every time you do a mix or anything for us, you always go, what do you want me to play? And you, you know now, my answer is always, whatever you want to play. When you are given the freedom to absolutely go for it, you rinse it harder than most people ever could. And it is a sight to behold when you are in your element having it. And I just want to enable that for you. Oh, thank you. But you can't do it at every gig. That's no, you can't. You can't. When it's something like digitize, it is like a safe space to just do whatever you want. And, yeah. And you can just do it. And yeah. It, and it's just fun. You know, like, I did play a little bit of, like, disco stuff or whatever, but I also play some drum and bass and I play some break beats and I play some, like, dubstep or some... I don't even know what some of it were, but it was just bass music. Do you know, like, good bass, bassy music yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. you want to just, like, fill face, yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. And you don't get to do that all the time, so it feels... Well, I don't, and it feels, like, good when you get to do it. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, so I'm asking all of our guests to ask the next guest a question. Would you rather have a guitar for a mouth or piano for hands? You're going to have to let me think about this for a minute because it's quite a serious <laughs> question. It's it's a commitment either way here, isn't it? If I have, if I have a guitar mouth, then it would make eating really awkward apart from cheese. Where it'd slice it really nice. Well, yeah, soup would be all right, though. Soup would just no. flow through. Yeah, but I don't want to only eat liquid. I need to, I was thinking, like, if you're eating meat or a steak or chicken wings, which is my favourite food. Oh, chicken wings would be hard. Awkward, yeah. But, for example, cheese, where it slices it for you, or bread. Yeah. You could just get a full piece of bread that's unsliced, and it'd just become a slice of bread in your mouth. Yeah. Which would be good. And then... On the flip side of that, piano fingers. I think piano hands, full piano hands. So is each finger a key or is your hand an actual piano? I, I think your your full fist just becomes a piano with X amount of keys. So like a little MIDI keyboard on yeah. each finger. 